Verse number two, my brethren, count it all joy. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, speak to our hearts by the Spirit. Speak to our hearts out of the Word and into our spirit. Let your word come unadulterated down from heaven, clean and pure from heaven through this vessel. Purify this vessel, purify these lips, oh God. Set your coal to these lips today, Lord God, that I may deliver the unadulterated, pure, clean word of God. And we bind every spirit, the prince of the power of the air, every spirit of perversion that would try to stop, hinder, or twist these words from entering into the hearts of your people in the name of Jesus. We take all authority and we bind you and cast you out. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just move into the spirit here. I know we've been standing a while. Can you stand just a minute longer? Purify me by your word. Wash me by your word, oh God. Yes, Lord God, give me understanding and revelation of wisdom from God. you that I did not have before. Open up my expectation to receive of you, oh God. Hallelujah. As you're seated, you close your eyes with me. You don't have to open your mouth. You don't have to lift up your hands. You don't have to do anything. Just sit there in the presence of God, but inside of you, inside of the spirit that God has given you and made you with, can you connect with that measure of faith right now that the Lord has given to every man. Each and every one of us has that inner man. It's in that inner man, whether you want to call it the soul or the spirit, it doesn't even matter. Just connect with the faith that God has given you and reach outward. Again, you don't have to even say anything. If you want to, that's fine. You don't have to lift your hands, but if you close your eyes and just shut everything else out, don't worry about your neighbors. Don't worry about those sitting in front of you, behind you, beside you. It doesn't matter. Just focus in on Jesus here.
thank you, Jesus, just for being you, for being our Savior, for being our God, for being our Master, our Lord. You can open your eyes. There is more push today than I have ever seen in my life. There's more push, there's more endorsement, even in the medical realm, for meditation. Everything I see, everything it's, it's always about meditation, meditation, meditation. And so when the Lord comes along and we read his word that says, meditate, I think the devil, well, I don't think, I know by the Holy Ghost that the devil is using all that stuff to muddy the waters. Mm -hmm. So that when we read in that old King James Version, we use the word meditate. Meditating upon his word and his law and his goodness and all these things. It is going to muddy. That's what the devil wants to do, to muddy the waters, to make you think it's some Eastern meditation, some connect with the self stuff. It's to empty your mind. Yeah, empty your mind so that the devil can come in. If you just meditate 10 minutes a day, you'll be in much more harmony and peace with yourself. Oh, well, it's, a, it's religion. Religion always does the same thing. It makes you feel good about you. It doesn't change you. It doesn't actually help you. It doesn't fix you. It doesn't grow you. It just makes you feel better about being broken. That's all it does. True. Why am I talking about that? It's because when we get into those moments where we're just quiet before the Lord. Oh, it's, it's meditation, but it's not the garbage that they're promoting out there. That's why we have to cut ourselves off from it. Yes. I know we can't, I know we can't get together in communes. That's not going to really help either. Unless God just told us to do it, then we'd have to listen. But until, and I don't think he will, but if and when he does that, then we'll do it. But until that time. We have to go out there and win the lost. Mm -hmm. We have to have the ability by the Holy Ghost inside of us to be able to walk into a dirty world and not get stained by their stuff. Right, amen. To constantly be cutting it off, yeah. cutting it off, cutting it off. And when God lets us know that something has influenced us, to repent of it and get rid of it. And to never think that we're too big and bad that nothing can affect us. We're reading here in the book of James, he starts right off. <clears throat> He's talking to the 12 tribes. So that doesn't mean it can't be good for us. This is the word to God's people. Amen. He starts right off and says, My brother, count it all joy. You know me, I like to just break down every word. Count it all joy. Count it the fullness of joy. When you fall, my goodness, God, come on, that can't be right. God's not telling me to rejoice when I fall. Oh, no, it doesn't mean that, brother. Oh, I, you know, I, I never thought so either, but let's look at it again. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. He goes on. But 
If you look down in verse 13, it says, Let no man say when, not if, when he is tempted. I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. We get tempted because we have things to tempt us. Simple as that. We see in the prayer that the Lord instructs his followers to pray. He says, lead us not into temptation. And I've always understood that passage not saying, God, please don't tempt me today. It, that's not what it means. It means, I know I'm tempted of the evil one. I know my flesh can get out of control. And I can get tempted. Don't think you can't, folks. You can. And if you're honest with yourself, you do. We sometimes make friends with it. That's not right. Sometimes we, we just surrender to it and say, well, I'm just human. That's not right. And then other people, they would rather just believe that nothing's wrong. I don't get tempted. I'm too spiritual. I'm too holy. Both is wrong. But James still says, by instruction of the Holy Ghost, my brother counted all joy. When you fall, we know that the temptation doesn't come from God. So, well, pastor, I always thought that that meant that it was just trials or, you know, testing. And yeah, it means that. Sure it does. Sure it does. And when we read down further, when it says, let no man say he's tempted God, it's pretty much the same thing. So whatever's going on here, he's saying, don't think that God's the one tempting you astray. Understand it's the evil one that leads you astray. Amen. But we still have to learn. So this, this is where religion has to cut out of our life. Because the religion says you're bad if you do something. And you're only good when you walk through this rigmarole, right? You walk through these and jump through these hoops and make it all right. Whatever your church says do, that's what you got to do. Then you're all right. And the Lord comes along and says, learn how to rejoice even when you're falling into temptation. Oh, Jesus, help us. It seems like I'm praying a lot, that a lot these days. Help us, Lord. Yeah, because I tell you what, if we don't have the help of the Holy Ghost, we're not going to make it. It's true. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to make it by the Holy Ghost. Let's, let's turn that around Amen. to a positive statement. It's still yeah. true. If, if we don't have the Holy Ghost, if we're not operating by the Word and by the Spirit, Oh, Lord, what's going to happen to us? Help us Lord. Hallelujah. Let the, just the conviction of the Holy Ghost come upon you today. We are not here to beat ourselves up, and we are not here to lift ourselves up. We're here to operate by that measure of faith we were talking about earlier. Let no, no man think of himself more highly than he ought, right? Yep. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Seeing that we have all been given. Every man's been given that measure of faith. He's, he's basing that earlier statement on the fact that everybody saved or unsaved has been given some faith. Yes, Everybody has. 
The guy down the street that don't want to hear nothing of what you have to talk about mm -hmm. has been given a measure of faith. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's like, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. He didn't say to not think of yourself highly. He just said not more highly. Mm -hmm. I, I like to add to that. I know we don't add to the word, but it's by the spirit. I think the same understanding can be made. Don't think of yourself more lowly than you need to think. We are the people of God. We have God. We have the Holy Ghost inside of us. Yeah. We have the power of God inside of us. Yeah. To overcome any situation God lets us get into. Mm -hmm. He tells us in Corinthians there's always a way of escape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He will always provide a back door out of it. Yeah. Always. But don't think you're going to do it without the help of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. But don't think you're going to fail with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We've we, we got to walk down that middle line of saying, with the Holy Ghost, I can go through temptations and still rejoice that I'm going through temptations. Yeah. And he says something that's always kind of disturbed me a little bit. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, studying out those words and studying out that expression and Trying to come to a fuller understanding, not just by the words, but by the spirit of what that means. The Lord delivered unto me some time ago, years ago, that it's literally the shaking of what you believe. Whether or not you believe God at all, believe in him at all, whether you're going to believe that he's going to heal you, change you, deliver you, save you, or whether you've got to do this by yourself. That's literally what the trying of our faith is. When we fall into this stuff, the Lord will bring us right to the place of, will you even believe I exist? Or am I just a religious icon lodged in your brain? Mm -hmm. By religion. Mm -hmm. Can we walk through fire? Can we walk on water? Can we walk through death? And still rejoice. And still trust. And still believe. Folks, let me just speak a word of prophecy to you. We will walk through fire. We will have to walk through the flood. We will have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Folks, it's just the path that we're taking. It's the path that God set before us. He told us it's a straight and narrow way. Amen? The old timers used to love to preach about the straight and narrow way. Amen. The straight gate and the narrow way or however it is. As opposed to the, the broad or, or the wide gate and the broad way, right? Yeah. Matthew chapter 7, I think. The, the old timers, I mean, I grew up, I heard that message all the time. Maybe we, ought to, maybe we ought to just bring it over to Matthew chapter 7 and preach that one. But, you know, we, we hear that a lot. I've heard that a lot in my life. I don't know about you, but I always heard, you know, you know, he, he's keeping us on this straight and narrow way. And that straight and narrow way leads us through fire and it leads us through flood and it leads us through death. It leads us through temptation. What's the temptation? The temptation really amounts to this. It's the temptation to get off the road. Is this the road I really want to walk? It seems like all oh, hell breaks loose when I go down this road. And you're right. All hell does break loose. Hell in the Bible just means the grave. The grave just means something needs to be buried. Because it's dead. Yeah. If you think about it, He's called us to the road of hell. 
But that's not our destination. Amen. We'll walk through hell right. to get to God. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm making all of you feel good today. I know it. <laughs> but connect with the Holy Ghost. That's why we want you to connect with the Holy Ghost. Because you don't, don't depend on some religious doctrine to make you feel good. Rely on the joy of the Holy Ghost. My brethren, make it joy. Get yourself full of the joy of the Holy Ghost that, by the way, already resides in you by the Holy Ghost. Connect with something that's already there. Stop looking for an external sense of joy when God has given each and every one of us a free gift. That happens to include the joy. Of God. Amen? Amen. Which Amen. if we have, we have strength to overcome. Yeah. Praise God. He said, let it happen. Let it happen, folks. Mm-hmm. Say, well, okay, when the temptation comes, just give in to it. Oh, you know I'm not saying that. Right. Don't, let, don't let the devil try to twist my words here. We've already cut off right. that twisting spirit. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know by the Holy Ghost, the Lord's not saying give in to temptation and just let it have its work. No, He's saying give in to patience and let that have its perfecting work. Right, amen. <laughs> Count it all joy. My goodness. Uh, you know, I, I know He's talking to people that have been somewhat mature in the things of God. I, I get that. We're talking in the book of James and He's, talking, he's not talking to your, your, your new saint, not really. And I know there might be some new, there are some new saints here. But listen, uh, if you can connect with whatever the Lord wants you to connect with, then, then just latch a hold of it. And to your older saints here, get a hold of this for sure. And understand, if we can just learn to do what the Lord says through His servant James, and learn how to have joy. Wait a minute. Well, my flesh wants this. Thank you, Jesus. To turn away and deny yourself should bring us joy. I mean, they said, what is this preaching about sadomasochism? I mean, no, 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 no. We're not talking about self-punishment. We're talking about learning how to disconnect from the flesh and move in to the spirit. And say, Lord God, I see your higher purpose. I see what you're doing here. I see how this road is perfecting me. I see how it's straightening me. I see how it's squeezing me. I see see how the further I get down this road, the narrower it gets. I mean, seriously, folks. Before long, if the Holy Ghost is not greasing the sides of this road, we ain't getting through. We're going to have to squeeze through by the lubrication of the Holy Ghost, right? Praise God. That's the end of the road. If you're not there yet, then just keep praising God. You'll get there. But he tells us, listen, don't let anybody say God tempted me. It's our own flesh that leads us down that road. Now, I want to come to a place that it's going to look like it's overturning the word of God itself. That James says, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Um, the Hebrews call this the Akidah. It simply means the binding, or specifically the binding of Isaac. The binding of Isaac. <laughs> Jesus help us. Isaac means laughter. <clears throat> the binding of laughter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
You know, the book of Proverbs says, laughter doeth good like a medicine, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Sometimes we just need a laugh. I gave a, I gave a word to someone just the other night on that one. I could see that this, this thing was all over. The Lord said, just give them, just give them a word right out of the scripture. Mm -hmm. Laughter does you good. Yeah, true. Laughter can do you good. It can heal your body. It can heal your soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, can, it can heal those hurt places. Sometimes, we, folks, we just need a laugh. So we just need to take our eyes off our situation long enough to say, God is still good. Amen. God is still with me. Yes. I don't have to be bowed under the weight of this world all the time. I can rise up and just laugh about something every once in a while. Amen. And, and, you know, you don't have to go out and, and get yourself a bunch of Laurel and Hardy videos or whatever it is you think is funny. Sometimes you just get in the Holy Ghost and start laughing. Right. Hey, I'm not promoting any of that Brownsville stuff or that Toronto Experience stuff, right? Well, I'll tell you right now, I've seen people laugh genuinely by the Holy Ghost. And it's real. I don't, I don't think we need to get caught up in any facet of the Spirit unless the, the Spirit on that moment is bringing us to it. You know, so, some people, they, they like one experience in the Holy Ghost and they, they just keep trying to latch on to it forever and think this is what, well, that's just more religion. Mm -hmm. well, my, my goodness, there, there's times that the Lord's got for us that we'll just leap for joy. He wants, he wants to remind us of that. Joy is, is not a word, it's a word that we often just forget about. Oh, joy, we actually interpret it in our hearts as some solemn experience. That's not joy. No. Joy is an overflowing and a bubbling over of positive emotion to where it just it affects your whole being. It affects your whole outlook. I mean, someone can punch you in the face, and, and if you're full of the joy of the Holy Ghost, you'll laugh it off. Right. <laughs> it's not something that can be faked. Oh, you can fake it. That's wrong. You can fake it, but it's not something that, that really can be mimicked. Everybody will know you're faking. That's one of those things. You ever notice that? You hear a little kid, they, they don't get the joke, but they go, ha, 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 ha. You, you always know that they're really faking laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that's very hard to convincingly do. Yeah. We're not just talking about laughter, though. Mm -hmm. Laughter sometimes is a natural outflow of joy. And the Lord is trying to tell the Cumberland Church here today, we, we need to reconnect with joy. Amen. Sometimes we just need to laugh. Amen. You don't need a worldly circumstance to make you laugh. True. Hey, I like comedy. I like funny stuff. The Lord's been telling me a lot lately. Cut that stuff off. You don't need that stuff. If it's coming with a bunch of worldly garbage and baggage, you don't need it. Cut it out. Don't, don't air that in your home anymore. Right. Yes, sir. So there's, there's got to be some way to connect with the joy of the Holy Ghost outside of worldly means. Right. And I know there is, yeah. but it's just easier to put on something that's funny. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about that. We're not endorsing that. When your flesh starts wanting to go away from God, to get into the spirit, the best thing you can do is get into that spirit of joy. Mm -hmm. I'm belaboring this point because I... I I feel like we need this mm -hmm. in the Cumberland Church. We need to just laugh more. Mm -hmm. We need to laugh. It wouldn't be out of the will of the Holy Ghost if we came to church and laugh. As the Spirit leads us. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a system where 
You, you can't tell too many jokes across the pulpit because you're unspiritual. And I know the Bible talks about foolish jesting. Yes, I understand those scriptures. I understand those scriptures. Those scriptures tie into sexual things. Right. Don't go joking around improper things, okay? But at the same time, there's times where the Lord comes in serious. Whew, Jesus. He comes in and he's serious. He comes in with the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest you laugh in that moment. There's other times the Lord just wants to come in with joy and freedom and peace. It's all God. It's the same spirit. Read 1 Corinthians. Paul says it a few different times in a few different situations. Same spirit. That he, you work on this guy this way, this way, this way, this way. It's not a different spirit. It's the same spirit. Amen? Amen. It works with the gifts. It works with different people's callings. But it all comes from the same Holy Ghost. Right? Right. Let me try to get into this. The binding of Isaac. <laughs> the binding of Isaac. The binding of laughter. The first thing it says here in Genesis 22 is, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. What? <laughs> yeah, well, if you're reading your Bible in order, you would have read this part before you read James. <laughs> so you would, have, you would have come to the story of Abraham uh, sacrificing Isaac. Long before you ever got to the place where it says God is a tenth man. So what he's doing is he's telling you a story that just on the surface level of understanding, it looks very clearly, and we're not even going to disabuse that notion really, but it looks very clearly that, because it, it's said pretty plainly, and it's not just in English, it's, uh, it's also in Hebrew, it says God tempted Abraham. And yes, I, as preachers, we always like to try to explain God away, but sometimes we just kind of let the Holy Ghost do it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know that the word in Hebrew means a test or a trial. He came to try Abraham. That makes us feel better because it's not like God's trying to, you know, entice Abraham along with, you know, with breadcrumbs so that he falls into a pit, right? We, I think, do we love God and trust yes. God enough, I yeah. should say, trust him enough to know he's not going to lead us into a pit? Mm -hmm. Right. And he's the God that takes us out of a pit. Yeah. But do we trust God enough to know that he will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, God help us. I mean, that's a pit all on its own. It's a valley with steep walls, right? Yeah. Where the thieves can jump right on you and steal your stuff. And there's really no, uh, not a lot of room to maneuver and escape. That's, that's kind of what a valley of the shadow of death. There's a shadow because the sides are, wall, uh, are high. and it, you, you can't run up and out of the valley that way. You have to either go this way or that way. So if thieves are hiding in the rocks and they jump from behind you and jump in front of you, where are you going to go? Mm -hmm. Unless you're a billy goat, right? <laughs> right. right. Don't fear. I'm with you. So he'll lead you into that. He pulls us out of one pit and takes us down another road that seems just as bad or worse. But it's not a temptation. It's not a temptation. It's our flesh that says, this isn't worth it. I don't really think God would do this. Let me just try to you know, get the next gas station, call up you know, taxi cab and get off this highway, right? That's the temptation. How, how, why does the temptation come? Desires, lusts, right? Yeah. Try to try to get off of it. Try to get out of it. 
But it says plainly here, it says plainly, God tempted Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and, of, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now the Lord told him what to do right off the bat. He did not... He did not uh, go vague. Sometimes the Lord just tells us, go down that way. Well, why, Lord? Just go. So our, what is our duty? Yeah. Just go. Yeah. He didn't do that with Abraham. He said, I want you to go to these mountains. I want you to go to one of the peaks I will show you. I want you to take your son up there. I want you to bind him on the altar. And I want you to offer him up as a, as a sacrifice to me. He was not being vague at all. He said, go up there and kill that boy as a sacrifice to me. Now, if we're not careful, we'll see and believe that, first of all, God tempts us. Second of all, that at the end of the story, because I know all, we, all of us know this story, that God lies to us. Right? I, this is your promise, and through this child, you will have many descendants. Or at the end of it all, when he says, ah, just joking, uh, that makes us think that we can't trust God because God might tell us to do something. And then, you know, here's the thing. All of that stuff is by the flesh. And this is what God's trying to teach. When you fall into a temptation, count it joy. Mm -hmm. Count it as joy. God's telling me to give something up. Uh, I really want this. I'm tempted to take it. But God is saying no. I think I need this. I really want this. But God is saying no. So I will sacrifice it in the name of Jesus. This is something I think God gave me. He gave it to me in a promise. And now he's telling me to give it up. Can I do it? Thank you Jesus. In his own way. Job even understood those principles. The Lord gives. And he takes away. And what's our response to either? Blessed, blessed be your name. Whether you're, When you're giving me, blessed be your name. When you're taking away, blessed be your name. So Job understood that God can give and God can take away what he gave. After all, he's God. Now what happens is, it's like watching... Uh, well, let's say it's, it's, it's more like reading a book where you already know the story. Right. Sometimes that's fun to do. Sometimes you, you read a book, you know the end of the book, but it's fun to read it again anyway. Because it's fun to experience the emotions that you have along the way as you're reading it, right? Anybody ever read a book twice? Mm -hmm. Well, I've read this one several times, okay? So, you know, it's, it's, it's good every time, and I, and I know the stories. Yeah. And I know how they're going to end, but it's still nice to read them. Right. You know, even while... You know, last night we're reading a story about how Elijah got fed by the crows. And in the middle of the night I woke up and uh, the Bible was playing next, uh, next to me on my stand. And guess where it was? First Kings chapter 17. You know, it was, it was telling the same stories about how after that he went up to Zarephath, right? And all this. And I'm like, wow, okay, Lord, you must be telling me something here. I've heard this story twice in the last few hours. <laughs> one out of a storybook, out, one out right out of the Word. And, uh, you know, it's... 
And I sat there for a little while just listening to the story. I know the story, but it's nice to hear it anyway, right? Well, we, we do that with other kind of stuff. But he, here's the thing. The, the problem is, because we know the story, there's, no, there's really no need to get uh, uh, concerned. Oh, well, after the end of it all, he's just going to let Isaac live anyway. And so we tend to discount the whole process. It's kind of like, and we won't go there today, but it's kind of like when uh, God tells Isaiah, go right into Hezekiah's chamber and say, you're a dead man. Walk around and then go right back and say, okay, fine, you got 15 years. And that's the next thing. I don't know, I don't know how, how it uh, exactly happened, and I'm sure it didn't happen that brief, but I'm sure even Isaiah had a little bit more emotion to it than that. Mm-hmm. But it happened. So to God, does God change his mind? He says he doesn't change his mind. Why do we have examples that he does change his mind? Well, it's because he doesn't change his mind. So if he doesn't change his mind, then there's got to be something more to the story. There's got to be something that he wants to teach us when it looks like God is going back on his word. When it looks like God is doing something that his word says he doesn't do. There's something that needs to connect inside of us by the Holy Ghost. We've got to move a little deeper than the surface level. Right? And move in. The only way you can do that is by the Holy Ghost. Move in a little deeper and say, wait a minute. If God is true, if his word is true, if it does not contradict itself, if this is not wrong and this is the truth I can rely on, then there's got to be an answer by the Holy Ghost that I don't know. And it should be an encouragement to get into the Spirit. You see how this works? Is it coming a little clearer when James says, count it all joy? Why? Because, Lord, you've let me fail, but you said you wouldn't. You you let me lose when you said you wouldn't. You said you'd bless me. You said you'd multiply me. You said you'd grow me. You said you'd take care of me, but I'm falling. How can I rejoice in that? I'm reminded of the story of Naomi who said, don't call me blessed. Call me bitter. Because God has treated me bitterly. Well, she should have read the book of James. <laughs> What's amazing to me, and I, and I know, again, I'm not going to try to preach too long out of this, but I do want to read this passage. What's amazing to me is Abraham got up right away, rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave to the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I, the lad, will go up yonder and serve the Lord, and come again to you. We know Abraham is faithful. We know he's obedient. The Lord told him to do it. He didn't take even time to consider it. He got up early. He got going. He went there. He told his guys, this is all about worship. This is all about service. This is all about doing the Lord. But he spoke by faith and we will come back to you. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think, I don't know if it's true, but I like to think according to Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham just believed so strongly that God was going to give him Isaac before he even gave him Isaac. He believes so strongly that when this comes, everything the Lord said is going to fulfill out of this child's life what he said. 
Isaac hadn't had any kids yet, and so Isaac still has to live in order to have kids. So no matter what the Lord says, and I'm not endorsing to try to rethink what God says, but no matter what he says or what it seems like he's saying to you, feel after what he's doing. Reach for what he's doing. Move beyond the surface of what he's doing. See the pattern of God and just go for it. I personally think that Abraham believed with all his heart that if I do kill him, God will raise him up. And that's the pattern, folks. That's the pattern. I think we know that. But he was going to Mount Moriah. That's the mountain right there at Jerusalem. There's a lower peak where the temple was. And then there was the higher peak where Abraham went. Okay, years and years and years later, where that higher peak was, it was chiseled out for a roadbed, and they put a series and scaffolding uh, of scaffolding there to hang their crosses on. Interesting. It was right in that point where Isaac was sacrificed, the same place Jesus was sacrificed. In this case, he did die and raise again. And we see the picture of all that. And I'm not going to go through all that picture because it's not our purpose today. That's a great lesson. And uh, if you don't know it, you can come to me. I'll give you a quick Bible study on it. But it, it shows every type and shadow of how God gave his son. Right? In this case, we know that Isaac isn't going to physically die. But he's going to fulfill the pattern. And this is often what God does when he's got something this important. He'll use people to walk through even what he's going to do in the future. He allowed Abraham the privilege and the honor to walk through the paces. I'm not going to talk, talk about the stations of the cross, okay? I'm not going to talk about the, the way of suffering and all that stuff. But in a sense, he did allow Abraham to walk those paces, right? He allowed him to walk up that same hill that Jesus was going to walk up. He allowed him to go to the same spot that in 2,000 years, Jesus was going to give him his life. He allowed him to go through all of the rehearsals. And we get surprised when the Lord says, take up your cross. We get surprised that we have to walk up tough places. Even when people are beating us and mocking us or spitting on us and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, Lord, this can't be your will. Just count it all joy when you want to get off the road that God told you to get off. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to go on, sorry. To, when he told you to go down that road and you want to get off, count it joy. This, this is the right place. This is the right road. Jesus. Hallelujah. We're not called to the easy way. We're called to the straight and narrow way. Yes. But we're also not called to be... Oh, poor, miserable me. No, we're called to have joy. He tells us something very contradictory in James. Have joy when you're having, having tough times. Amen. He says the same thing in Matthew 5. He says the same thing in a lot of places. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Right. I mean, it gets worse than that. Read the book of Revelation. He tells us plainly. Uh, read Matthew 24. He tells us plainly. 25. He tells us plainly some things. But let me try to get through this. We're going to come again. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. Laid it upon Isaac his son. He put the wood on his son. Jesus had the wood on him. Mm -hmm. Carrying it up to the mountain. It's, just, it's the same idea. Same picture. All the fulfillments. They're all laying out in front of us. And 
he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. So the fire is in the hands of the father, but the wood is on the shoulders of the son. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, fire and wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Is Abraham lying? No, he's not lying. He's being a prophet. He's saying, God's going to take care of this one way or another. When we need a lamb, we'll have a lamb. If you need to be that lamb, you'll be the lamb. If God's got another lamb, that will be the lamb. But one thing's for sure, God will provide it. Amen. Amen. Yes. God will provide it. Amen. It wasn't lying. I don't believe that Abraham was lying to his son. Now, we do know Abraham lied. We have reference in this book that he lied. Mm -hmm. So we know he's capable of it. It's not like he's above it. But I don't believe in this point he was lying to his son. Give him up. I've got the knife in my hand. I've got the instrument for cutting. I've got the fire in my hand. I've got the instrument for burning and consuming. You, you carry the wood. Verse 9, And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wooden order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. You notice how many times Abraham says, Here am I in this passage. The Lord calls, he says, I'm here. Oh, Lord God, if we could just... Get to the place where when you call, we say, I'm here, Lord God. How many times does God call us and we're just too busy? Sometimes, because down deep in our hearts, we know God's about to ask us to do something. Or more than ask, but tell us to do something. We really don't want to do. But Abraham just keeps saying the same thing. I'm here. Here I am. Isaiah said, here I am. Samuel said, here I am. These were great men of God because they said, I'm here. I'm ready. Whatever you need to say. It doesn't matter if I like it. I'm ready to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 12, and he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know... Thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, and only son, from me. Did God know it before? Mm -hmm. Sure he did. Come on, we, we know yes. God knows everything. Yes. Yeah. Again, these are passages. These are passages that, that show us things that don't seem to line up with the word of God, but don't let that swing you. Don't, don't let that sway you. God will write some of these passages from a human's point of view. This is what he's doing in this passage. This is the reason why it seems confusing. Because by the Holy Ghost, James is getting the mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. But there's times where the Lord says, record your experiences. Recording from your understanding. Recording from your understanding. Recording from your vision. Because I need you to tell other people, I went through it this way. I went through it with
with uncertainty? You say, well, uncertainty is not faith. No, no, no. Abraham had faith, but he still, he still didn't know everything. If he didn't know everything, the angel wouldn't have had to tell him to stop. Right. So, listen, we can, we don't need to praise him, but we can honor Abraham for having lots of faith, but you can still see there's a level of uncertainty here. And even it seems like, but from Abraham's perspective, that he thought even God had some uncertainty. I mean, can we all agree? God has no uncertainty. But sometimes we think, no matter how much we think we trust in God, sometimes we'll allow ourselves to get to that place where we don't think God knows what he's doing. Well, I don't think that. No, no, no. Religiously, you don't because you know better than to do that. So in your mind, you have you know, turned all the right screws in your head in order to uh, make sure you never think that God can make a mistake or could do anything wrong or, you know, can be uncertain about anything, but somewhere down in our hearts. A lot of times we, we feel, I don't know, God didn't speak to me the right word today. And I needed something else from God from from church. I, I thought I was going to go to the church and this was going to happen and that was going to happen and I'd get this and I'd get that. Well, first of all, get your mind off you. Get it on Jesus. If we can take it, an example from a godly man like Abraham, get your mind off your selfish concerns and put it back on Jesus and his orders and commands and say, I will go and worship you in the midst of all of this. I will go and worship. That's what he told his young men. I'm going to go up and I'm going to worship. Amen. I'm going to go up there and worship the Lord. Even if it's with a knife in my hand, I'm going to worship the Lord. Yeah. It, doesn't make, it doesn't make any any fatherly sense. No father is going to do that to his son. And yet he did. We believe this story. I do. Yeah. I believe it actually happened. Amen. A lot of people that don't even believe Abraham existed, they're just cute stories to give us pictures. Come on. What kind of a father would put his own son to the knife? And that I really believe Abraham did because he trusted God that much. Amen. You know, the, the Lord has had me instruct, not instruct, but just to just give the truth to my wife and my daughter and just let them know, mm-hmm. I love God more than you. Mm-hmm. Amen. It does not mean I don't love my wife and my daughter. Right. It's just there has to come a point in life where you say, Lord, I love you more than them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if it comes between you and them, it's you. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter how it will break my heart, it's you. Every time, God, it's you. Mm-hmm. I believe Abraham had gotten to that point that no matter how it would have broken his heart, he loved God more than even his promised son. Right. Amen. This is, well, now I know. Well, no, I think the truth is, is now Abraham knows that God will never turn back on his word. God always knew. God always knew what Abraham was going to do. He knew if he pushed him the right way what Abraham's response would be. But Abraham needed the experience to know how faithful God is. Sometimes it's hard to believe that the trials we're going through is because we really need to go through them. That's why we don't rejoice all the time. But we, we can really connect with the Holy Ghost, the Word and the Spirit, and really believe if I'm going through it, 
is because God says this is good for you. Then we can start rejoicing. And we can say, then I'll do it, and I'll worship God while I'm doing it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. Thicket is thorns. So it's around its head was a, a wreath of thorns. Every picture is there. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. This is where it's going to be seen in 2,000 years. Verse 15, I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. It says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, a lot of times we just stop right there. We stop at verse 14. And then if you read on a little bit further, you see that the angel of the Lord called a second time. The first time says, Hold up! The second time he called him again. He said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And thy seed shall, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose and went up together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. We're going to read to the end of the chapter in a minute. But notice what's going on. God had already given Abraham these promises. We know the story. God had already given Abraham those promises. God, you already said this was going to happen. And Abraham believed. And God said, you're a righteous man. Sarah was told, and she laughed. So they named this child Isaac. Right? She laughed in her heart, I think. Because the Lord said, why are you laughing? I'm on these, these people are both, both a bunch of liars, ain't they? Anyway. Help us, Lord. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yes. Hallelujah. If we just let that happen, we'll realize God's the only way to make it out. <laughs> if I can't do it on my own, God's the only way to make it through. Amen. So the angel of the Lord speaks a second time and says, because you did this, now I'm going to bless you. Wait a minute. He already gave the promise. Abraham already believed him. In the course of time, he actually already had the son, so everything is in order. God gave the promise. The faith was had. The son came. Thank you, Jesus. We have a perfect life from here on out. No. I mean, how many years was it? There are scholars that suggest Isaac could have been as old as 17 when he went up to that mountain with his dad. I mean, if Isaac was 17, how old was Abraham? 117, 117, right? Yeah. I mean, you think a 17-year-old can punch out a 117-year-old? Probably, right? Dad, you ain't putting me on that altar. <laughs> you know, I mean, if Isaac, I think if Isaac really wanted to get out of it, he would have said, yeah, we ain't going there. But listen, I think Isaac did want to get out of it. Because he said, hang on, Dad. What's going on? You remember Jesus in the garden, right? Lord, 
If there's any way. If there's any way. If there's any way. I believe that's the picture of Isaac going, well, let's see. We got this, and we got this, and we got this. What are you planning, Dad? So let's, uh, let's just go. God's going to take care of everything. And he did. But after all this, after 17 years of having his son, you know, enjoying his son, even to the point of kicking out his older son by Hagar, all that stuff going on, right? Now he can just enjoy life and teach and guide and instruct him in the way, and this is how God gave you. God gave you to your mother who was 90 years old. He, you were absolutely an impossible birth. I think Isaac would have known all those stories. I mean, he had 17 years to be with his son. And, oh, I, I'm, it could have been 10 years. It could have been 9 years. But it could have been as much as that. He had at least some amount of time. Let's just cut, cut the average and say 10 years. He had 10 years with his son, let's say. We don't know. But however long he had with his son, he had that time to say, this is it. This is the fulfillment of promise. I believed, and God did it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about adding to your faith, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is one of those pictures. Mm -hmm. Adding to your faith. I've already had faith, and faith came through. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? I got what I believed in. And then later, God says, okay, now give it to me. That was not in the plan. I don't ever remember you saying that, Lord. But after all this, you see, it wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's plan because he says, because you did this and did not withhold your son, that's why I'm going to bless you and multiply you and do all this and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In other words, if Abraham had believed and got his son, but not willingly gave his son up, it wouldn't have happened. That's what the word is telling us here. Yeah. Let's, read the, let's read the last part of this chapter. It says... And it came to pass after these things, and this, this seems like it's absolutely no part of the story. But let's read it anyway. And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Melchizedek hath born uh, also uh, children, born unto, uh, children unto my, thy brother Nahor, husband's firstborn Buzz, Camille, Aaron, Father Aaron, Chesed, all these guys that they got, and Bethuel begat. Uh, Rebecca, these eight milk did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was uh, Reuma, she bare also Teba and uh, Gahem and, you know, those guys. Say, so, okay, great, wonderful. Doesn't do anything for me. These are all people we don't, most of them, we know Rebecca and Laban, right? Uh, we, we know those guys, and we heard a little bit about Nahor before, but really, as far as the story, quite honestly, we just breeze right over this passage, don't we? Yes. You can be honest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, most of us do. It's just a bunch of hard names to pronounce. And so, yeah, 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 great, great, great. People that we're never going to see come back up into the story. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, the Almighty God saw it fit to put that little nugget in there. Mm -hmm. And he puts it into the place right after the angel of the Lord spoke up the second time and says, now you're going to be blessed because you did this. And guess what? I've already promised you that the families of the earth would be blessed. Guess who's going to, it's going to start with? Your family. Mm -hmm. He got record. We don't know when. We don't know the timelines here. This could have been months later or even years later. But somehow uh, Abraham got message from his family in the east, right? Yeah. That we're being blessed with children. Mm -hmm. We're being blessed with offspring. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's our, our job to rejoice when that kind of thing happens. Yeah. When you see God blessing somebody else, your best way to get a blessing is start rejoicing with them. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for saving souls. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing people baptized in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing people. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering people, changing their lives. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because when we start getting involved with that, we start growing, multiplying. Yep. Praise God in ourselves. And this is, this is the principle. The angel of the Lord spoke a second time. We got the word, don't do it great. We think the story ends there. No, the second word, the second, the preceding word of God. This is where a lot of God's people fail. They fail in the preceding word. The preceding word comes by the spirit, not the word. It, or the, the, the written word, I should say. It's all word. But the preceding word comes from the spirit. We miss it a lot of times. We miss the principle. We miss the principle that says it's because he did it. Is why he's going to multiply. We look at God as sovereign and he is. We look at him as complete master of everything and he is. But we're not. And we have to go through the paces, right? right. Abraham had to take a son of promise and sacrifice him in order to see the multiplication start happening. And it was sometime after this, after Sarah died, that he got another wife and had a bunch more kids. I don't, want, I don't know why a guy in his hundreds needs another wife and has more kids, but that's just the way it worked. I'm not here to talk about that. All we see is not only did his brother's family in the east get blessed, Abraham himself got blessed. And we know, according to the timeline, that uh, Jacob and Esau were 15 years old when their granddad died. So Abraham, I believe, even as an elderly man, I believe he would have seen his two grandsons. Because I think that they all they were all, well, I not think the Bible makes it clear. They're all start right there in the same land, right? Yeah. Okay, now when it tells the stories of Isaac and his sons, we don't see Abraham involved. But Abraham's there somewhere. Just kind of understand, he's somewhere behind the scenes. I believe he saw his two grandsons born. I believe he saw them grow up at least to 15, and then that's when he died. But he saw that not only did he have a son, but his son had sons. Right. And he knew that when he died, that the promise is going forward. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to end here. Now, every time I teach Genesis chapter 22 or preacher or whatever we're doing, it comes out different. Okay? But today the Lord is saying... The word from the Spirit says God will never tempt you. The word from man's point of view is God tempts us. The word from the Spirit is always God is faithful. The word from the flesh is I'm not sure God knows what he's doing. So we need to keep connecting Amen. to the Spirit. Yeah. And God will tell us strange things like jump up and down for joy when you're going through it. Learn how to laugh when you're going through it. Amen. Yeah. Learn how to just say, Lord God, even if you kill me, I'm going to praise you. Mm -hmm. yeah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're looking all the way at the end of the chapter, and I'm, I'm ripping this right out of context, which I don't like to do, but because of the time, I'm just going to start up in verse 16. It says, For which cause we faint not? If you want to know what cause we're talking about. You can, you can peek up a little bit. 
For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many down to the glory of God. But let's focus in on verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Renewed day by day. And even when I feel like I'm dying, and maybe in some cases I am dying, Something on the inside of me is being renewed and rejuvenated Jesus. by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. For our light affliction. Oh, Lord God, don't make fun of us. Come on, it's got to be more than light because this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. And you're trying to tell me it's light. God's not trying to make fun of us, folks. No, no. He's trying to put it into perspective. True. As far as I'm concerned, this is easy, folks. Yeah. This is easy. Yeah. You're sick. I can heal you. Like that. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, Lord? Because mm-hmm. it's good for you to learn something before you get through that. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've heard all manner of teaching when it comes to things like healing. Well, God doesn't necessarily heal everybody. Stop lying. God heals everybody. Even if he needs you to die before you're healed, he heals everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but I didn't, want to, I didn't want to go through death in order to get healed. Neither did Lazarus. Right. <laughs> but it happened. Yeah. Tudor Bismarck likes to say, uh, the disease didn't kill Lazarus. Lazarus killed the disease. Because right. ah. when he came back to life, <laughs> there ain't no disease. The de- disease died. Not Lazarus, right? right? Now, Lazarus did die eventually again. But I personally think he probably didn't die of a disease. Right. That's just an, he either died because they went after him and killed him, or he died of old age. I don't know, but we, 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 don't, we don't have the record. But it says here, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. If we could just see that it's working for us, folks. Yeah. Our light afflictions in the eyes of God. Again, it's a spirit word. It's a spirit word delivered through the Apostle Paul. The spirit word is, it's a light affliction. From our perspective, it's horrible. I can't handle it. I can't take it. Mm-hmm. The spirit word is, you can bear it. Yeah. And there's a way of escape. Yeah. The spirit word is, this is not that heavy. Mm-hmm. You just got to see it with the eyes of the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And if we can understand it's working for us, let patience have her perfecting work. Why? Because it's working. That's why. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He's throwing in wordplay here. Our light affliction, it's light. But what it's doing is working in us some heavy weight. Now, I believe the reason why Paul is using the word weight here in this passage is because the word in Hebrew that means glory is the word kavod. Don't worry, you don't have to remember it. But it's also the word that they use for liver. It's weird, I know. It's like, what does liver have to do with glory? Well, don't worry about that right now. But it's also the word they use for heavy weight. They use it for the word liver, an organ of your body. They use it for heaviness, and they use it for glory. 
That's all in the Hebrew. And when you look at these words in the Hebrew, you find some really interesting stuff. And I'm not going to go into some of the stuff that the Lord showed me on that because it would take too long. But I believe Paul, being a scholar in Hebrew, understands. So he's writing in Greek. It's light what we're going through. But what it's doing is it's bringing this weight. It's bringing a liver into place. It's causing you to live. In the spirit is causing you to have that weightiness of gold around you. Right. Amen. That glorious shimmering of the divinity of God around you. Verse 18, we're going to end here. While we look not at the things which are seen. <laughs> this is the lesson here today, folks. I don't know if this is a preaching or a teaching. It's probably a little both. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He's basically saying, which one are you going to look at? Are you going to see this, that God's tempted me? God's not being truthful with me. God doesn't really know what he's doing. Or are we going to look from the eyes of the Spirit? Lord God, I know you know what you're doing. I know you can't lie. I know you don't change. I know you have a plan. I know this isn't going to be the end of me. And if it's the end of my natural life, so be it. It's the beginning of my everlasting life. If it's the end of my entertainment on this world, it's the beginning of my joy in the spirit. If it's the end of my carnal pleasures, it's the beginning of my pleasures forevermore. The Lord wants us to see better than we do. He wants us to see his life in us better than we do. He wants us to see the straight and narrow way as a way of joy. He wants us to see even when we fall. God doesn't do it. We fall because of our own desires. But he's saying even in that, it's an opportunity for you to rejoice because I'm going to let this thing work in you. A more eternal weight of glory. Can we find a place to pray today? Can we just connect with the Holy Ghost for a while? We've heard the word. Now let's move into the Spirit. And the Spirit will confirm His word to your hearts. Oh, Lord God, let the Holy Ghost that is in this room settle in around our spirits, and around our hearts and minds. Lord God, as we seek your faces, we reach for you today. Lord God, that this would go into the hearts and the minds and the spirits of your people, oh God. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, that when trouble comes, our faith, even though shaken momentarily, will grow stronger. Hallelujah. Lord God, we thank you for giving us faith. And now we ask that you would add to our faith. Lord God, we ask that you would take us through with joy. We ask that you would teach us how to laugh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, let us hear not the voice of a man, but the voice of God. Lord God, let us hear the voice of the Almighty in our spirit man, in our inward man today, Lord Jesus. 
come down over us today. Oh, you almighty, O oh God. Oh, yes, Lord God, help us to see the eternal things. Lord God, though they be invisible to our natural eyes, help us to focus on these things. Help us to focus on the outcome of the destiny that you've set into us. Lord God, bring to us a sense of conviction and responsibility today, Lord God, that we are responsible going forward. We're responsible to seek your face, to look beyond the natural picture, to look beyond the veil, to look beyond what it seems like. To look beyond even what it feels like, the pain and the suffering. Lord God, to connect with the joy of the Holy Ghost. To connect with the laughter of God. Oh yes, Lord God, knowing that when we give up this precious promise back to you. We know that our multiplication is sure. Lord God, we know our blessing is sure. We thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the promise. We thank you for faith. We thank you, Lord God, for the righteousness that comes from faith, oh God. But Lord God, we want to see the furtherance of your will in our life. And if we have to go up the mountain or if we have to go down into the valley, either one, Lord God, let it be so. Yes, Jesus. Lord God, that we can see for ourselves, we will have faith in God and it will work to our benefit. It will work in us. It will build us into the image of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. God, the spirit that you have given me tells me a different story. It tells me you're always with me. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. Even if my, my mother and my father, even if they forsake me, you never will leave me. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Lord God. 
Teach me, Lord, to love you more than anybody, anything, any ideal, Lord Jesus. Lord God, if I have to lose everything like Job, Lord God, let me continue to bless your name. If I have to lose my reputation, Lord God, you're the one that gave it. Lord, if I have to lose my good name, you're the one that gives a good name. Lord God, if I have to lose my health, you're the one that gave it. If I have to lose my money and possessions, you're the one that gave them. If I have to lose my family, you're the one that gave it to me. If I have to lose my life, you're the giver of life, Lord God. Whatever it takes, whatever it is, Lord God, come in and operate it through us. Give us the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to pray these prayers, oh God, that we surrender everything to you. Add to our faith. Add to our faith. Patience. <laughs> Long-suffering, Lord God. Add to our faith virtue and knowledge. Add to our faith brotherly kindness and charity. Add to our faith temperance. Oh God, hallelujah. Self-control. Oh Lord God, I am not ashamed of the calling that you have placed on my life. I am not ashamed of the offices that you have put upon me. I am not ashamed of the mantle or the word that you speak through me. Lord God, but I put it down on the altar. I laid all down on the altar. I laid myself down on the altar as a living sacrifice. If this is what you want, I give it to you. If this is the end of it, I give it to you. Because I trust in you and I trust in your promise. Yes, Lord God, I exalt you. 